0: Hello everybody, welcome to episode 6 of Walk-On Radio. It is August 10th, 2020, and we still have no idea what's going on with our football season. This episode was supposed to be an FCS preview, this is our second time trying to do it. We were going to have a really special guest, it was going to be a great episode, but unfortunately we still don't really know the plans. We've had a couple more conferences cancel, you know, Southland Conference and Sam Houston still hasn't, but with Big Ten looking like it's going to cancel, nobody knows what's going on with our season. So, today we're going to have a little fun, but before we get into that, Humphreys, what's going on with our football season and what's going to happen? Well, I can tell you this, uh, your guess
1: is is truly as good as mine because I have no clue. Uh, You know, you got to prepare like you're going to play in a month, but you also, you know, it's hard not to see on Twitter that it's looking bleak like you're not going to. it definitely it makes it tough, but but you just have to stay positive throughout the process and hope that the higher-ups are, are making the right decisions throughout all this.
0: Yeah, so it seems that we have a couple different scenarios. We have, there's a, for FCS at least, there's the option of playing three non-conference in the fall, six in the spring, playing all spring, not playing at all this year. And, you know, FBS is a little bit different because they have a little bit more money. But like I said, with the Big, uh, big Ten wanting to cancel and the Pac-12 thing about canceling, Humphreys, you are the head dog of the NCAA. You know you're hearing all these complaints, you're hearing all these people talking. What is your what are you going to do if you were the head of the NCAA? How are you going to make the season?
1: Well, I don't know about head of the NCAA. Here's what I, here's what I think is going to happen in the grand scheme of things. Uh, to me, this is the beginning of the end of college football as we know it. I think that this is a great excuse. For the Power Five to ultimately secede from the NCAA because uh, they have the money to do so, they have the fan base to do so, they have the the, the basically the backbone to do it. Um, I, they they truly don't need the NCAA. As big of a powerhouse as the SEC is, as the Big Ten is, the Big Twelve, ACC, uh, Pac twelve. I mean, those guys are are bigger than than life itself uh, in college athletics, and so I kind of think. You know this is this is like I said the beginning of the end to that. Uh, I think that the group of five is is kind of is really closer to FCS than it is Power Five. Uh, I think a Sam Houston and a Texas State are much closer for a lot of reasons than than Texas State is to Texas, if that makes sense. Uh, so I, I don't I don't know what's going to end up happening. I, I would say that if anyone's going to play this fall, it will be the Power Five. The uh, I think that the FCS is trending towards a spring season, and I think there's a lot of positives in that. Uh, one being, if, if all the Power Five plays this fall, then all of a sudden, you know, North Dakota State gets to play Alabama, be Alabama for, for those spring months, uh, and things like that. Not, not lessening, you know, how talented the FCS level is, just giving it more of a national spotlight.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that too, you know, FCS football, there are a lot of good games and I don't think a lot of people realize it because, you know, most of the games are on ESPN3, ESPN Plus, so I think with if FBS plays in the fall and we play in the spring, it gives a lot of games more uh, shine, and it gives a lot of people a chance to see FCS football, so it could work out for the good of FCS, but, you know, a lot of people are saying that maybe FCS should stay in the spring for good. Now I'm against it. What do you think? Do you think that could is a good possibility? Do you think it could happen? How do you feel on
1: that? I would say no, That's not gonna happen. Uh, i don't I don't think you change. I don't think you change forever uh, just due to one unprecedented time. Uh, so I think a one year fall hiatus due to corona uh, is fine. I think it there's a lot of positives with it. Uh, I think it gives a better opportunity to have some normalcy. To your season as far as having fans, not wearing masks, getting used your locker room, things of that nature. But I don't see this being a FCS plays in the spring all-time.
0: So, you know, with FCS football possibly playing the spring, there's one player that everybody has been talking about, and that is North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance. Now the Missouri Valley, they're still trying to come up with some stuff, but they have suspended their season to the spring. Do you think Trey Lance has played his last snap as a bison, or do you think he'll try to play out his spring season? Well, I've given this some thought, and and, and since you brought it up, I, with the Missouri Valley
1: giving the option for teams to play three non-conference uh, games in the fall and then play their conference schedule in the spring, uh, I think what you could see happen is Trey Lance plays his three fall games and then goes to the spring and says deuces, you know? If he plays... If he plays those three fall games, or how many ever it is, if he plays those to his potential and, and looks like he's a top ten NFL draft pick, like he's being projected, then then why would he play the spring? Why would he? Why would he play real football games that close? Uh, and I, I think it goes farther than Trey Lance. I think you know Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. I think those guys. I uh, I really think that you, you're probably looking at them, probably looking at them dropping out of college football to to continue their NFL career.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I I didn't mean to take credit away from any of the other FCS prospects that are trying to go into the draft, but, you know, Trey Lance is going to be one of the top picks. And, you know, I agree with you. Giving those three games against FBS opponents, I, I feel like that's the last thing that people are looking at is, can he play the same against harder opponents? So if he shows his talent against the other three, then he can finally go to the draft and get that top spot that we have been talking about. So for this episode, since we can't have we don't have a lot to talk about and we're trying to wait till the NFL season to finally get rolling, we uh, we went to Twitter and we asked some questions. We wanted to see if any, any of our fans had good questions for us. And we came up with some good ones. So why don't we get started? Our first question is the best NCAA player to not win a Heisman. Now this can be a couple options, and I already know your first answer. It was gonna be on my list, so I didn't even write it down. So Humphreys, why don't you go off and say your first player? I think we go one at a time. Well, uh, first off, I want to I want
1: to thank you for for knowing that this guy would be at the top of my list. Uh, he should be at the top of everyone's list. Uh, he's arguably the greatest college football player of all time, and for him to not win a Heisman is really it's really crazy to me. Uh, and I know I know that a, a guy won it that year. That's also considered one of the greatest. But at the end of the day. I'll take a national championship ring over a Heisman Trophy. You know what I'm saying? So that being said, Vince Young, two-time Rose Bowl champion, really set the standard for versatile quarterbacks, 3,000 yards passing his last year at Texas, 1,000 yards rushing. I mean, he takes down USC, one of the greatest dynasties college football has ever seen. I mean, the dude is, is legit invincible.
0: Now, of course, I saw that one coming in. Hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hot take. Greatest player of all time? It definitely, no on the, de- definitely on boo, the list. Boo, 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 boo. Definitely on the list. He was great. Of course he was on my list. I can't disrespect him, even though Humphries, you know, gives him a little bit too much credit. My first answer was Peyton Manning. You know, He lost to Charles Woodson, which is one of the few defensive players to win it and the he the only was, defensive player to win it yeah but yeah. he you know they're players that played both offensive defense but he was the only primary defensive player to win it but i mean peyton manning won 39 out of 45 games at tennessee he owns almost every record there and you look at his nfl career you know it's a tough one but so i put peyton manning as my first option charles woodson's one of the best but so is peyton manning the only thing that sucks about the peyton manning thing is is i, I totally agree he's on my list as well but
1: People, and I've done this before, I've actually had this conversation. So Tennessee won an national championship. It was actually the year after Peyton Manning left. So that's got to sting him a little bit. I, I, to me, I wouldn't say it's a blemish on his resume. It's just something that he didn't complete, you know?
0: Yeah, and also, to you know, a couple episodes ago, you gave your whole speech about Dak winning MVP and having a new player, someone brand new. So I feel like with Charles Woodson coming into the being picture, a defensive guy, being a defensive yep. player yep. and having such good stats that he did, you kind of uh, have to because you're not going to see a lot of defensive players, you know, getting that Heisman option. I, think that's a,
1: I, I definitely think that that's a, if there's a guy that can uh, overtake a quarterback, which obviously the Heisman is predominantly a quarterback uh, award, obviously the defensive guy was a special player uh, to beat out Peyton Manning in that situation.
0: Yeah, so uh, speaking of defensive players, I had another one on my list, which is Ndamukong Sue, yeah. Nebraska. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, I mean, that year for a, for a defensive lineman is insane. It's just like J.J. Watt's year that he lost MVP to Aaron Rodgers, the <laughs> GOAT. You know, 85 tackles, 12 sacks, one interception, one forced fumble, three blocked kicks, crazy stats. Unbelievable. He loses to Sam Bradford of Oklahoma. Which, which to me,
1: is a, is a historically weak Heisman Trophy winner.
0: Yeah, but, you know, the Dominican Sioux, he made Nebraska what they were that year, he, and he was a he, defensive lineman.
1: He nearly single-handedly beat Texas in the Big 12 Championship to ruin their national championship season when they went and played Bama.
0: Yeah, and, and saying my Charles Woodson argument with a defensive player, when's the next time you're going to see a defensive lineman have these kind of stats? He should have won the Heisman that year. Sam Bradford had a good year, but, you know, should have went to Sue. Was Manti Teo the last defensive player to go to New York? I, I mean, it's been so, a while, yeah.
1: yeah. I, Man, that was good, too. But. Yeah, great player. Uh, I, You know, to say that it'll never happen again is a little bit of a stretch. Uh, It definitely could, but obviously the the mountain is, is pretty steep for a defensive player to win it.
0: Yeah, and especially with the way college football is kind of going. It's, it's becoming so an, offensive. It's an offensive league, yeah. so you're going to see these quarterbacks. Like Lamar Jackson having 5,000 yards in a season. You it's know? hard
1: for a running back to win it now, especially in the day and age of a running quarterback. You know, you've got Lamar Jackson, you've got guys like like Marcus Mariota, Cam Newton, guys like that 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 tote the rock, but they're at the quarterback position. And then you throw in the fact that a lot of times they play for the best team that's going to the national championship,
0: and so it's a little easier for them to to win the Heisman. So who else did you have on your list, Mr. Holmes? Uh,
1: well, Tommy Frazier definitely comes to mind. Uh, was the quarterback for Nebraska on, on what's considered one of the greatest college football teams of all time. Um, so that, that's definitely one that comes to mind when, when you ask greatest players of all time that did not win a Heisman.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, look at Nebraska. They, they seem to always have – they had a really good team, really good players, always used to be in the national title, title picture, and now they just kind of dropped – Hopefully Scott Frost changes their their I do like Scott around. Frost. You know they sell out almost every. every have they? Do they still have that record for yep. selling out? Yep. I mean that's insane. Hey, they 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 don't want to play this fall. They're not going to be selling out anything. Empty yeah, stadium. <laughs> so my next on my list was kind of tough for me. And me and Humps were talking about this before the show, but I put Christian McCaffrey, and you know this the year that Derrick Henry won, and it's a hard. It's a hard comparison because Derrick Henry had better running running back stats, straight rushing, but Christian McCaffrey did it all. He had more rushing uh, or receiving yards. He had almost the same amount of rushing yards. He had a couple less touchdowns, but, I mean, he was a Stanford team, and he was the reason Stanford was even in the picture. So it was a really hard debate for me. I do think Derrick Henry won the award outright, but Christian McCaffrey, one of the best college players of all time, Should have, you know, any other year, he probably wins the Heisman, no doubt. What do you think?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, obviously a very, very talented player, uh, but I definitely think Derrick Henry deserved it that year. Uh, Alabama was one of the best teams in the nation that year, so that kind of trumps the Christian McCaffrey thing.
0: But when you have two running backs, and you know, like I said earlier, Derrick Henry was a straight rusher. Do you not consider the fact that McCaffrey could go out and catch passes probably better than Derrick Henry could? Yeah, and it's a big deal. But but if you if you
1: look at, at Heisman history, guys that when it's close, it almost always goes to the guy that was on a better team. Uh, and I, and I guess that kind of that kind is the most valuable player. Aspect of the Heisman because you you obviously were a direct correlation to your your team's success
0: and that that was the year Derrick Henry they won the national championship that year right I believe so so okay well then if if that's the case and I guess the national championship picture but for my last one talking national championship, I said Deshaun Watson the year Lamar Jackson wins the Heisman now. You can't argue Lamar Jackson's stats and the year he had. Yeah, but if you if you go off of what exactly what I just said, one guy won a national championship and
1: one guy probably went eight and four. Yeah, you know?
0: and and I think any other year, Deshaun Watson wins that award, no question. Yep. But the fact that Lamar Jackson had such a crazy year, it just changed everything. So I had Deshaun Watson f- finally on my not to win a Heisman list. Uh,
1: on the last one, I want to talk about uh, happened in 1956. Uh, and I know it's considered one of the biggest uh, Heisman Trophy snubs uh, of all time, and that that's Jim Brown. And Jim Brown finished fifth in the Heisman voting. Obviously, we know who Jim Brown is. Uh, but Paul Horing won the Heisman that year for for Notre Dame. Okay, his stat line: he was a, he was a starting quarterback for Notre Dame. He went two and eight, threw three touchdowns and thirteen interceptions, and that won the Heisman. So a lot of people think that at the time it was a race thing that that Jim Brown, you know, they, they weren't gonna give an African American the Heisman, but you just look at the stats and it, it's definitely one of the biggest snubs of all
0: time. Yeah, I mean that's gotta be top of the list. Only having thirteen interceptions and a two and a record, my goodness. Now,
1: is Jim Brown worried about it? I don't think so. Arguably the greatest running back
0: to ever grace uh, the game of football. And so I'm sure he's not not too worried about that yeah definitely so next up our next topic is gonna be the greatest or the biggest choke jobs oh, man. I went sports you went football but I only had one example in another sport oh so. I can I can talk other sports if that's what we want to do too I, you know, I was gonna on. you know I could have brought up maybe six different cowboy chokes but I left them hey, out of the list I'm gonna bring up two of them because they <laughs> hurt so bad so my first one and I don't know what year this is you got, you might have to check me here okay Kansas City blows a twenty-eight point lead against the Indianapolis Colts. Woo,
1: man! That game?
0: Wow. Yes, I do. So they were up thirty-eight ten in the third quarter, and Andrew Luck, the goatiest of goats, <laughs> comes in and comes back, and they end up winning forty-five to forty-four. What a great game that was! You know, especially in football, when you are up thirty-eight to ten, I mean, we're putting in the second string. Like, hey, it's over. We're just talking on the sidelines, getting ready for what's the plan for the night, and Andrew Luck comes in and just leads a. Great comeback, including the one where the guy fumbles the ball. Yep. Andrew Luck picks yep. it up, dives and, in the end zone, scores for yep. himself.
1: Yep. Man, another another big Kansas City, uh, they're, they're on the other side of this blown lead, is uh, last year's AFC playoff game. The Houston Texans, you know, think that they're high, jolly, and mighty going to the
0: Super Bowl, and Patrick Mahomes has other plans. I was so surprised. I remember, you know, I... You know we're from we're around the Houston area and I'm watching with my Houston Texas friends, and they were all excited. They're talking, "Whoa, man, we got the Super Bowl! We got to prepare who we're playing." And out of nowhere, Patty Mahomes comes in, does what he does best, and just starts slinging the rock. And they come back and win the game. That was a great game, unbelievable. You know, I and aren't they uh, Chiefs and Texans are starting the season that's off this the, year, That's right?
1: the uh, month from tonight, actually. Lord knows we need it. So who you got? Uh, Hard. I, I'll, I'll never bet against the champs. Give me, give me Patty Mahomes. I think it's gonna and be a shootout. Yeah, I think it's and gonna a be shootout. a lot
0: closer. Yep. Uh, I like, like in our preview episode, I had a lot of high hopes on the Texans. I believe in their system. I even though it's not over the Hopkins
1: game, thing. I'm not over it.
0: We're gonna find out, especially, especially with all this stuff going on. How they were able to train and prepare It'll definitely be a good game. I love
1: Deshaun Watson, but I think that's Tennessee's division this year.
0: So what was what was on your
1: list for choke jobs? So first one uh that I regretfully want to talk about is uh God bless him Tony Romo. Oh. I want to talk about in the 2006 playoffs when Tony Romo fumbles the
0: snap on, oh, on, the, field on goal? the on the go ahead field goal oh. against the Seahawks. Um, hold on before you tell me that I want you to paint Do you remember where you were? and because you were probably younger you probably didn't really i was really, six i was
1: six it's were one you already of, it, a yep, cowboys fan absolutely as it's it's one of the probably one of the first sadly one of the first cowboy memories i have uh i was uh probably staying up way too late watching the game with uh my dad and his buddies um so actually i do remember what happened this night so that happens um it's 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 burned in my brain dalton uh and I love Tony Romo. I this is no Tony Romo bash whatsoever. I think he's one of the most underrated, underappreciated quarterbacks in Cowboys history, in NFL history, all of the above. But Tony Romo, no question, choked on this on this botched field goal hold uh, to take the lead over the Seahawks in the 2006 playoffs. So that happens. He picks the ball up, gets tackled at the one. Cowboys lose. And my dad and his friends decide to drape a Dallas Cowboys jersey from my gutters at my house, and they light it on fire because <laughs> of how mad they are. We catch the house on fire, a little piece of it burned burned the the gutters uh and so we had a black mark on our ceiling for for a little while uh so that was a bad fun memory but uh Funny thing about the Tony Romo botch snap, uh, if you know me, I am uh, I am Sam Houston State's holder. Uh, it's one of the twenty seven positions I do play, and and every every Thursday of game week, we we simulate a a live game last second field goal for the win. And you would not believe how many. When, and what we do is 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 we surround the whole team around the long snapper, the holder, and the kicker to kind of create a. Uh, ice the kicker feel and you would not believe the hate the hate that people throw at me about this dang tony romo botch snap they yell at me ah humps tony romo he's gonna drop the snap humps tony romo and it hurts it hurts dog every thursday i wake up in the morning and i dread that
0: moment well let me tell you chirping you and the kicker at that time is so much fun for the team i bet it is i have a funny story about that actually (laughs) we had a we had an offensive lineman named kevin sprinkles and Humphreys knows him. I know him. We love him to death. He was a great lineman, and we have a little receiver named Ife. And so what Kevin was like, he said, "All right, let's pick Ife up." So we get to the front where Humphreys and the kicker can see us, and we lift Ife up on our shoulders, and then we turn him around, and he's kind of like he's got his pants down a little bit. So because we're trying to distract him, <laughs> anything we can, you know, we're dying laughing. I thought was, I saw the kicker laughing. He makes the kick anyways. So to having that, doing that, and chirping the kicker and Humph is so much fun. My question for you, because I don't, I you know, I remember the play, but I don't know the details behind it. Was he was he trying to go for a two point conversion, or did he just straight up miss the hold? Like what? Why? No, so no, it was a field goal. So he he fumbles, and it
1: it was not a bad snap. I mean, straight up botched the hold, and, and he picks it up and tries to run it in the end zone for a touchdown. But ultimately, he's tackled at the one, and that was that was it. Cowboys He almost gets
0: it too. It, no, it it g- almost, he
1: gets there. Yeah, I mean, he gets tackled at the one. But all
0: in all, doesn't matter. Watch this. Watch the snap, and that's a big, that's a big choke. So, using your holder, you know, mind and ability, do you did you notice what he did wrong? Like, what was what did he do wrong in the hold that messed it up? Well, looking at it now, I mean, I was
1: six at the time, so I was just pissed. Well, yeah, I know. I, I mean, know like now, if holding. you
0: rewatched it, looking
1: at it now. Dude, he just dropped it. Straight up dropped it? He just straight up dropped it. I mean, it was like a 20-yard kick, and so, you know, you always want to get laces out, but, dude, just get the ball down. I mean, it's an NFL kicker. He's going to he's gonna drain it, you know? I mean, there's a lot of pressure behind it, too. Like, this is to win the game, and yeah, the but, crowd's but, roaring. But, dude, I mean, people Why say Why was that, he the
0: holder? Was he always the holder? Why is the yeah, starting pe- quarterback the well, holder? Well,
1: I agree, but, uh, you know, rumor is, is that quarterbacks have great hands. I mean, mm, I'm a, I'm a quarterback-converted receiver, uh, I mean, you're catching, you know, hand coordination is there. You're catching, if you're a shotgun guy,
0: you're catching the snap out of the shotgun every play, you know? Well, that's a hot take. A lot of quarterbacks <laughs> have concrete hands. Uh, my second choke is actually a baseball one. You know, I okay. kind of went to the baseball okay. route. Poor Chicago Cubs, man. Ooh, Long, Oof, long time man. of straight bad luck man. and hatred. I don't know the, the official name of the curse. I forgot the name of it. It's 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 the Bartman curse. The curse. Yeah. So yep. Cubs are up against uh, Cubs are up on the Marlins, three two in the series. Chicago's up 3-0 in the top of the eighth. They get on, they keep going. They have one out in the ninth, and the foul ball gets hit. Mr. Fan Man, Bartman catches the foul ball. Yep. Curse happens. Marlins end up scoring eight times that game. And they win that game. And ever since that day, well, up until recently. They won the World Series yep. a few years ago. Yep. So the cur- curse has officially been lifted. But but the Cubs, long years of straight losing. And, I mean, talk about a choke job. And, you know, you're a baseball guy. Yep. Being three, being up 3-0 in the top of the eighth isn't big. But having one out oh, in it's the top. It's over. Yeah. I mean. You and know. having one out in the ninth, you know, you're two outs away from winning the series and, you know, going probably farther. Yeah. Something I, like that happened. Yeah, well, it was the – I think it was the National League
1: Championship. So, basically, they were – two innings away from going to the World Series. Uh, that happens, and then the rest is history. I mean, they had pretty, you know, got close in some times, but had some had some pretty bad luck up until here recently when the Cubs won the series. All right, Humph. what is next on your list for choke jobs? So my next one is, uh, is this is an iconic moment uh, in NFL history. Uh, it was in the 2003 um, NFC wildcard game. And, and it's an overtime game. Uh, it's the Seahawks against the Packers. Seems like there's a lot of iconic Seahawks-Packers playoff games uh, in NFL history. Uh, but definitely one of the biggest choke jobs is, is Matt Hasselbeck uh, winning the coin toss in, oh, in, before overtime starts. What a great moment. Says on the intercom, we want the ball and we're going to score you know the rest of the story. You know that he throws a pick six, and the Packers go on and win. Mm,
0: man, what a great moment too! And you know, I like Matt Hasselback. I nothing got him, nothing against him, but you can't do that, uh-uh. especially on the hot mic. Nope. Everybody hears you and on the refs'
1: mic at that.
0: Yeah. And speaking of Seahawks Packers choke jobs, I didn't have this written down because I totally forgot about this. It went out of my mind. I wanted to forget about it, but you know, Des drops it. We win. We go on against the Seahawks. We were supposed to win. This was karma. Oh my goodness, we were supposed to win. The football gods know, knew that my guys caught it. my God. Onside kick. Uh, Brian or it. Brandon Bostick. Who cares? I'm Irrelevant. It. Tied end for, like, eighth tight end for the Packers. He's on the onside team. No, oh, he muffs it, doesn't he? Muffs it. Yeah. They, his job I remember is to, that. and he says it on an interview, he said his job was to go block the guy in front of him for the guy behind him to catch him, which I think was Jordan Nelson, was supposed to catch the ball. Game's over. Take a knee. We're going to win the Super Bowl. He decides, you know what? I'm going to go up and go catch it. Muffs it. They get the ball back. They throw a deep ball to who knows. Catches it and goes to the Super Bowl. What a choke job. Especially because we destroyed the Cowboys last week. Dez. Je- Dez. You didn't choke number the ca- two. That's not a choke. You can't he caught catch it. the ball. Get out of here. Dez dropped it. Competition committee came out in seven Dez, days. In Dez, fact, did catch it. You know, back then, those rules were different. Choke. Dez drops it. Nope. Choke number one. That's not even Packer a choke. Packer goes to the NFC You're Championship. Cappin'. Brandon, Brian, Bowstick. Cold, stick. Boo, 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 bo stick. Coldest tape. Muffs the uh, onside. On this episode. Super choke. Dez did, in fact, drop it. Our next topic, and we have a lot of different options for this one, is the best FCS players. Now, not the best, because that'd be a little bit harder, but we're just going to name best FCS players. It can be any position, any FCS school. So, you know, you have your list. Can you name who was the greatest of your list? Tough to
1: say. Um, You know, if you want to go back farther, I I think we should focus more on, you know, more recent FCS guys. But Jerry is an FCS football player. Uh, Walter Payton, FCS football player. Randy Moss, FCS football player. Obviously, those are three of the greatest to ever do it in the NFL. Uh, so, you know, obviously, you're going to be high up on your list. But I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on uh, I'm gonna focus on more recent guys and and one that you gotta gotta have in every conversation. You know, the two time Walter Payton Award winner, which is the FCS equivalent to the Heisman Trophy. Sam Houston's own Jeremiah Briscoe. I mean, he won it back-to-back. I mean, the stats are—he's definitely one of the greatest FCS quarterbacks of all time.
0: Yeah, it's really a shame that he doesn't get talked about as much as other players like you know Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kurt Warner. And I get it. He didn't have the NFL career that the other guys had, but he had one of the best FCS careers, and he had a great offense with him. He put Sam Houston on the map, made them relevant— my first pick is Alcorn State's own Steve Ayer McNair. That's a yeah. One of the greatest. Rest his soul. Yep. Uh, fun fact: I have his rookie card. Wow. And uh, I plan on selling that for a lot of money later down the line. But I mean, he wasn't he in the Heisman? He yes, he was. Yes, top, he was top, he three? was top three. He
1: went to New York for the Heisman Trophy, which obviously is unprecedented for an FCS player to to go to New York to be recognized as one of the best players in all of college
0: football, not just FBS. was going to be uh, Trey Lance, but, you know, Corona had to come and ruin everything. Is Steve Ayer McNair the only one to do it so far? To my knowledge,
1: at least. uh, If there is another (laughs) one, someone comment on Twitter that uh, there has been another one, but to my knowledge, Steve Ayer McNair is the only one.
0: Yeah, and, and staying with the quarterbacks, of course, you have Northern Iowa, Kurt Warner. Uh, Hall of Famer. Yep. Uh, he had a great career in the NFL, great career at FCS. And finally, our head coach's own, his baby, yep. Joe, Flacco, Joe Flacco, Delaware. Yep. Great great career at Delaware, great career in the NFL. So, I, you know, great. a lot of quarterbacks from FCS, you know, great careers and comes to the NFL and has a good career after that.
1: Dude, Briscoe, so I'm looking at it right here. Briscoe threw for 5,003 yards his senior year. That's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and, and you know he didn't even start at Sam Houston. Goes from a, a school that cancels football completely. UAB. Yep, he gets rid of the program. Yep. Comes to Sam Houston and just changes it.
1: Unbelievable. I mean, he he threw for for over eleven thousand yards at Sam Houston and and one hundred and sixteen touchdowns. I mean, that's that's unbelievable in three years.
0: Yeah, and he and he also had great receivers with him. You know, just a good offense in general, good scheme that they were running.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: So staying another quarterback uh situation. I know you have his name down. I just wrote North Dakota State quarterbacks. Because they've had, As a whole. <laughs> they've had they've had the last three quarterbacks have all been really talented. You know, you have Carson Wentz, Easton Stick, and Trey Lance. Three and you know, you, what school can go from one quarterback to another to another? They're like the Green Bay Packers of FCS football. Oh, that didn't even picking make sense. Picking great quarterbacks right even after make each sense. other. Bart Starr, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. So, Bart Starr and Brett Favre played played by each other. A little bit farther apart, but you know
1: what I mean. Hey, I was in Aaron Rodgers' first ever NFL game against the Dallas Cowboys.
0: Did they win? I actually think that the Packers won. Uh Uh-huh, like normal. (laughs) So, let me ask you this, Ryan Humphries. Carson Wentz, Easton Stick, Trey Lance. You're now the owner of the Cowboys. You got to pick a starting quarterback. Which one of these three quarterbacks are you going with? So let me uh, let me
1: backtrack and talk about their FCS careers individually because uh, they all they all are are good for different reasons. Uh, obviously, Carson Wentz has the NFL pedigree already. I mean, he was the what was he the second pick overall mm-hmm. in the draft. Obviously, that's big time for an FCS quarterback. Says a lot. Won some national championships. Uh, has had a you know a pretty solid career with the Philadelphia Eagles. I'd say that the only blemish for him is is injury prone. I mean he gets hurt. Uh if the guy's healthy, he's really good, but hadn't been able to finish many seasons fully, so that that's a little bit of a tough uh tough break. But as far as his FCS career goes, I mean the dude is unbelievable. Uh moving on to Easton Stick, uh he he kinda gets put to the side in, in a lot of those categories or conversations, excuse me, but he is in fact the winningest FCS quarterback of all time. Really uh yes. And and that's that's a big stat as a as a quarterback. You know, people talk about winning rings and, and overall the dude just wins. So definitely gotta put him in any conversation of, of best North Dakota State quarterback of all time. Uh Trey Lance, you know, he's only played one season uh with the bison, but he won the freshman, national freshman of the year, he won the national player of the year, and he won the national championship. So dude has a trifecta. Probably going to be a top ten pick in the NFL draft. He could declare right now, only in play one year, and he's going to be a top top pick in the NFL draft. So I would say talent wise, give me Trey Lance. Uh, I think his ceiling is is higher than Easton Stick and Carson Wentz, uh, and I, I, he's a fun fun player to watch for sure.
0: Yeah, and it's really interesting to see Trey Lance because you know you see Carson Wentz and you see. Easton Stick and Trey Lance does not play like either of them at all he's a he's a more of a running quarterback not saying he can't throw the ball because he he made all the, he got all those awards while throwing zero picks so he's a great runner great thrower I agree with you I would want my quarterback to be a little bit more fast and mobile I'm going Trey Lance just because you know Carson Wentz can move Easton Stick can move but not like Trey Lance can uh, another player that I had He's a little bit of an oldie, you know, you named Randy Moss, you named Jerry Rice, but Terrell Owens, Yep. Chattanooga, Chattanooga. Yep. Terrell Owens is one of the, one of the best receivers of all time, despite, you know, his, his attitude problems and all that stuff. He was a physical receiver, a tall receiver, very fast, still in great shape now. He's pretty old. Terrell Owens, Chattanooga. Yeah. I mean,
1: uh, obviously, you know, that's one of the best receivers of all time, uh, Definitely dominated at the FCS level, and I—he's definitely in any conversation to do with the best FCS player of all time. Uh, Another guy I wanted to bring up is—he falls under the uh, two-time Walter Payton Award winner—is Armani Edwards. Uh, For those of you that don't know, he's not really a household name, but Armani—Armani Edwards did win two FCS national championships. One as a true freshman, one as a sophomore. Uh, But what? people will remember is he was the starting quarterback when Appalachian State went into the big house and upset Michigan in probably the biggest college football upset ever.
0: Yeah, and you know, later in our episode today we're going to talk about one of the best one-year teams that has a great year and you know, you look online and stuff, and Appalachian State is up there. You know, they had they beat Michigan that year. They go on to win the national championship, and a lot of it seems to be behind that quarterback.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the dude, the, like I said, not a household name, but you look at his stats, and he, he's one of the best to ever do it, especially at that level.
0: Uh, another name, you know, you talk about not a household name. I'll give you a household name. South Dakota State University kicker, Adam Vinatieri.
1: Wow, yeah.
0: I mean, one of the GOATs. You, you uh, could, he's the best kicker of all time. Yeah, you could I put think, him at the greatest FCS play of all time. I know he's a kicker, but I mean, he's the greatest kicker of all time. The, he's won two Super Bowls, hadn't he? Yeah. Like,
1: last last second kick yeah. Super Bowls, yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: obviously, you know, being a kicker, you're, you're definitely put to the side, but that pedigree, come on. Yeah, it's hard. You know, you got Jerry Rice's uh, records, then you have Adam Vinatieri. It's hard to put a kicker in that conversation, but when you've been doing it for that long, you know, you the accolades come together. Uh,
1: another FCS player I want to bring up, and people know this guy today, but I guarantee you people don't realize how freaking dominant this guy was in college for Eastern Washington at the FCS level. We talked about Jerry Rice. We talked about Randy Moss. We talked about Terrell Owens, and none of these dudes even scratch this cat's statistics in college. Cooper Cup finished his college career with six thousand four hundred sixty-four yards receiving and seventy-three touchdowns. Good that Lord. is unfreaking believable. I mean, I have never heard anything like that.
0: Yeah, and he's not you know your six-foot-four receiver. He's a small, quick slot receiver, and to be able to get all those stats is insane. Yeah, I don't know. It's unbelievable. I mean, his he, literally his
1: true freshman year. The guy had 1600 yards receiving and 21 touchdowns.
0: That's unbelievable. See, little Ryan Humphreys in. Oh yeah, going. I wish that'd be <laughs> that would be great. Uh, for my final entry into greatest FCS players, and you know, this is a long shot, it might be considered a hot take, but I had to throw a fullback in there. Kyle, the juice, juice check. Hey, Harvard zone. Maybe not as good as an FCS career in college, but he comes into the NFL. All I know. Is he caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl? So he's bringing fullbacks back. He, you know, he's a different breed of fullback. He's a guy that not only can make that insert in the hole and block, but he can go out and catch a pass. I love the juice. He's an FCS player. Had to shout him out. Do you have anybody else on your list?
1: Yeah, the last guy I want to mention is, uh, and this this is a guy who who's has been uh, interactive with our podcast before. Uh, I know he's very active on Twitter, but. Sam Houston's very own Timothy Flanders. I mean, Flanders flip. The Flanders flip. I mean, he, he's one of the most prolific FCS running backs uh, of our generation. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the dude's stats are unbelievable. He was, a, he was a big reason in back-to-back appearances in the National Championship for Sam Houston State. And, you know, the dude, he's playing in the CFL now. He bounced around in the NFL, CFL. And I mean, his college stats are, are unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and, and the Flanders flip is is one of is an FCS iconic moment. You yeah, know, you I, see it all the time. One on, of the coolest plays ever. You know, if you don't know what the Flanders flip is, you know, Battle of Piney Woods against Stephen F. Austin. He catches. I don't know if he catches like a route or he runs it, but he dives into the end zone, kind of does like a little backflip, lands on his feet, falls down, but really cool play. Flanders flip, Tim Flanders.
1: I want to say that Tim Flanders went off against Texas A&M, too. Sam Houston played
0: up, played at FBS school, and Flanders goes off. Yeah, he he was definitely a reason for those years, Sam Houston being very successful. Absolutely. So our next uh, topic is going to be unbreakable records. Unbreakable records. This one's hard but because all records can be broken, but these are some that... If it's going to happen, these. it's going to take a <laughs> long time. Yeah. So what's your first one on your list?
1: So uh, I'm going to keep it to football for now. Uh, if we want to get into other sports, that's great too because obviously there's there's records everywhere. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is, is Emmitt Smith's all-time rushing leader record. Um, 18,355 yards. Jeez. That... Is not getting broken. To be broken, the the sustainability that you would have to have uh, would be just almost almost out of reach. I, I mean, and especially in today's age of running backs not playing as long, uh, I, I just don't see it ever being broken.
0: How long did he play in the NFL?
1: A long time. So he played. Uh, he, he played obviously most of his career with the Dallas Cowboys. And then he finished his career with Arizona. Uh, but I think he played 15 seasons. And so just I, I, for me, for someone to to play at that level
0: uh, for that long is just unrealistic. And how disappointing... Finishing his career in Arizona. I mean, that that's your that's your Cowboys guy. and He goes to Arizona, has two kind of disappointing years. That kind of sounds like what Aaron Rodgers will probably do. Uh, Look, he's no. probably going
1: to leave the Packers and go somewhere else. Finish, Look, he, finish call in a hole and finish his day somewhere else. He's retiring
0: else. as a Packer unless uh, the Packers get rid of him. Uh, Wish they're not, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. That'll be for later. But, yeah, you know, running backs, you're not going to see him playing for 15 years anymore. It's going to be a hard record to break. If you had if you had the current NFL running backs and you had to pick one you think could break that record, which one would you put? You cannot say Zeke. I I pick Zeke wholeheartedly. Pick I, another one.
1: No, because because Saquon Barkley's team isn't good enough to do so. Uh, Derrick Henry is probably too far in his career. He's just now kind of blossoming. Uh, but you just look at the stats and what Zeke's been able to do in a short amount of time. You know, obviously me putting that. St- Ceiling on him is unrealistic, but if I had to pick one NFL running back to do so today, I would pick Ezekiel Elliott.
0: You know, I, I hate Zeke, but I gotta respect his game. I would say Zeke too, but maybe Christian McCaffrey as well. He just he, he catches the ball too much. True, but he he broke the he broke the college record. Maybe he can do it in the NFL. Yeah. Who knows? My first unbreakable record, and I hate doing this to my boy Brett Favre. Three hundred and five interceptions. interceptions. Yep. My goodness.
1: Just no. again, no one is going to play as long and throw as many passes as him to ever surpass that.
0: Yeah, and it, 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 when you're throwing the ball all the time and you're throwing these Rockets, you're going to get a lot of picks. Peyton Manning was just, you know, he's probably second on the list. He threw a lot of picks too. So his, some, I think Peyton Manning has the most
1: interceptions as a rookie ever, I think.
0: I think that was Brett Favre.
1: Really? Yeah. It's one of on, them for on sure. his, his
0: year in the Falcons, they talked about it. Yeah, I, I mean, it... It's a bad
1: record to have, but then when you look who has it, it, it obviously yeah, you lessens know, that for sure. Peyton
0: Manning and Brett Favre are top in assessment, but they're also top in passing yards. So it, it's, a, it's a hard thing to look at. Uh, what's next on your list? I'm going to go Derek Thomas,
1: uh, single-game sack record in 1990. you ready for this? Seven sacks in one NFL game. Who are they? Do you know who they were playing against? Unbelievable. No, I'm not sure, but I do believe... That it was Derek Thomas's rookie season that he did this in. Wow, seven sacks in one game. I, I don't see that ever happening
0: again. No, I think like the most like currently is like four or five.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't see anyone getting close to seven again. My goodness.
0: My next one on the list is Jerry Rice, twenty two thousand eight hundred ninety five receiving yards. Wow, but I think it could be beaten. Uh, but oof. Jerry Rice played forever.
1: Yeah, and again, all these all these records, you know, with with the longevity behind it, it's just gonna be tough to beat.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, longevity. So the rest, I have three more, and they are non-football. Okay. Bill Russell, 11 championships. Never will be broken. Come on. And I mean, Michael Jordan had six, and that's the closest. Yeah, no, that'll never happen. But also, Bill to Russell fair, played very long who time was he ago. playing against? He was playing
1: against me and you, yeah. but still <laughs> yeah. respect him for winning those. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, we're switching it up, not going football. Uh, A record that will never be broken. Uh, Honestly, to me, this is probably the least likely record to ever be broken in any sport. Uh, Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hit streak. Oh, yeah. No way. That will never happen. Uh, Pitchers are too good today. And even, I mean... It'd be hard to get fifty six games in a row with me pitching, yeah. let alone let alone Major League Baseball pitchers pitching. I, I mean, that's a that is truly an unbreakable record. I thought there was somebody that was close to doing it recently. They got uh, they got, I think they got in the thirties, uh, but that's I mean that's just so how hard it, it. You know, you can literally go a month and you're halfway there. Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's unbelievable.
0: You know, staying in the baseball realm, you know, you can think how you want about Barry Bonds, steroids. A lot of people did it at the time, but this man was intentionally walked 120 times.
1: In a season? In a season. Yeah, wow. How
0: does that happen? Yeah. I, you know, you got a slugger like Barry Bonds and take a, not taking a point to steroids. They were so nervous about this man. He got intentionally walked 120 times. That's unbelievable. I, you know, I don't see a maybe Aaron Judge in a couple years if he keeps banging home runs like he is, but, I mean, you're not going to have a big hitter like that that people are so scared of, especially, like you said, with the pitchers and their ability. They're not going to want to intensely walk the same guy just because they don't have the skill to go behind it.
1: I want to keep in the baseball, uh, baseball record book, and you know one of your coach, former coaches, actually commented this on our Twitter page. But uh, Nolan Ryan's seven no hitters will never be touched. Uh, I, you know, another guy that pitched for literally forever. Uh, I'm named after Nolan Ryan, actually, so definitely a a big fan of his. But you know Justin Verlander, who, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Just threw his third no hitter. Okay, you with me? Mm-hmm. So if he doubles his no hitters, he's still got to throw one more. To tie Nolan Ryan. So never going to happen. This is seven,
0: like in his career. Yeah, seven, okay. seven no hitters in his career. Uh, never will be touched. And and the no hitter, no hitter is different from a perfect game, right? Yes. So no hitter, you can walk. Yes, but walks and errors. You, but no
1: base hits. Perfect game is no base runners at okay. all.
0: That's still a challenging thing. Oh, yeah. Alvin, Texas' own hometown boy, staying on forever. That's our boy. Love Nolan Ryan. Uh, My final one is not, uh, you know, you talked about goats. Nolan Ryan. This goat, hockey, Wayne Gretzky. You know, a lot of people don't know what hockey is. They know who Wayne uh, Gretzky is. 2,857 points in hockey. Wow. That's not that will never be beaten. He is the goatiest of goats of goats of goats in hockey. I don't know a lot about hockey, but that sounds like a lot. Yeah, uh, two thousand, one thousand seems like a lot for me. So I thought that's a hockey. You know, nobody will play that long and have that many stats but they can get two thousand points. Hey, here's a record that we can talk about. What about Usain Bolt's one hundred meter record? Dude, I don't know.
1: I think that could get beaten. Uh, here here's my here here's my my argument to that. Obviously. All the 100 meter records before him, you know, got broken. But how fast can a human get? I feel like at some point it tops out. You know what? What is human max speed? Uh, you know, it's a breakable record, but it would definitely take a a once in a lifetime person and a once in a lifetime run. It, it
0: is so impressive to watch that man run because he's so long. His legs are so long. He can just. Try. It looks like he's jogging. Unbelievable. And he's facing the fastest racers in the world. And he is beating them by a long shot. It's insane. Usain Bolt is one of the greatest. But, you know, his career is coming to an end. There's yeah. going to be a time when yep. he's done, and there's going to have to be a new Usain Bolt. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, hard to, hard to put that title on somebody.
1: But, you know, there was a Carl Lewis. There was a uh, Michael Johnson. Then there was a Usain Bolt.
0: Next up, Ryan Humphries. Next up, Ryan Humphries. In the 100? I, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, this one's going to be pretty fun. College helmets. College helmets. They're this the best. Was, They're the This one really hard. College helmets know. are the best. Because, look, so I went the original helmet because there are so many alternates. We could be here for days talking about the 2009 TCU version helmet or the 600 million Oregon helmet. So I went the base of the bases. Now, you could have won alternates. You could have won bases. But we're just going to talk college helmets. Give me your number one. Number one. Out of all, actually no, I take the bat Let's go five. Let's go your least, and let's work our way
1: up. Okay, uh, let me give me two seconds to decide my list. Uh, okay, if you're if we're gonna if we're gonna go true helmets, uh, then I'm gonna go honorable mention Oregon with their 50 helmets. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they're set the trend in the uh, alternate, 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 alternate helmets. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they have they they basically wear a new one every single game. Obviously, those are fun to see. But if we're ranking all time helmets. I'll put them honorable mention and uh, okay, so I'm starting at five. Um, I I, Florida State's gold helmet with the uh, with the arrowhead on the side is pretty iconic for me.
0: Yeah, I had Florida State on my list. I have I have an alternate honorable mention because their alternates are so cool. Army Navy game every year. Every year they have a different jerseys, helmets. Really, they do like the spray paint or like the custom. I love Army Navy's uh, helmets, so I kept that out because those are, you know, they change every year. My two honorable mentions are Florida and LSU. I love love the gator on the Florida. I love their colors. Yep. And then LSU have a really cool the the tiger and the LSU on them. They have some cool designs. My number five, and it's more the icon rather than the helmet is Miami. Okay. You see the U. You You know exactly what it is. is. Yep. Got really cool colors, the green and the orange. I mean, they're iconic. The, I think that's a great pick. The U is my number five. Yep. Uh, you want to go ahead and do your number four? Yeah. So my number four is Florida State. Like okay. You yep. said uh, you know we're going on colors. I love their color scheme. I love the the spear, and I love they do the stickers on the back. You know, they fill up the back of the helmet with the stickers. Uh, how do you feel about stickers? I know there's a, there's a lot of people that are against it. They feel like it's filling up the helmet too much. I love it. It's a good team thing. What's your stance on it? So we
1: did it in high school, uh, so I, I'm, I'm partial to it. I think it's, you know, it kind of week to week kind of gives you that extra motivation to go the the extra mile and, and whatever your team set as goals to to complete those. And, you know, it's kind of a pride thing to fill up your, your helmet with stickers.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I really enjoy that. And uh, it brings a lot of you get to see the players that have more stickers. It, it's a personal battle. It's a, it's a team battle. And I, I like everything about Florida State. Really cool your tradition. So I'm going Florida State at number four. So uh my
1: uh my number four is Ohio State. Uh I love I love the metallic gray, uh red stripe down the middle. And you talked about stickers, they have the iconic buckeye uh stickers on them. I mean that's you definitely know who, who you're playing against when you see that helmet. So who is your number three? Number three. Uh now number the top three are uh, are definitely tough for me, uh, but I'm gonna go Notre Dame. The uh, the plain gold helmet is is pretty awesome. and definitely you know you see movies like Rudy, and they're they're gold in that. They're gold now. You you know when you're playing the Fighting Irish that they're they're gonna be running out with their gold helmets.
0: Yeah, my number three is Ohio State. Okay. We we have a very similar list. Yep. I, I love the stickers. It's such a basic design, but the stickers kind of bring out the helmet. And, uh, you know, they have the black helmets. They have a lot of different concepts. They could switch around with it. But I love the basis of Ohio State. My number two, and I assume this is going to be your number one because these are your boys. But UT, hook them. Iconic helmet, iconic logo, very simple but gets to the point you know the when you see the longhorns you know what that is and you know i had i couldn't decide between usc and texas you know you you not a big usc guy cuz you're a texas guy but those are two iconic college football helmets they don't do a lot to them cuz they don't have to because their logo means something and means so much to their people and to college football
1: so you are right i, I do have texas number 1 and then that goes exactly like what you said they don't have to do anything to their helmet for people to know exactly who it is and what they stand for it, it's you know bevo right on the side of the helmet that burnt orange with a white background they don't wear fancy jerseys don't wear fancy helmets but it's pretty awesome looking if you ask me so that's my number one but my number two is michigan i don't know what that design is on their helmet <laughs> i don't know why it's there but i love it uh it's my dad's one of my dad's favorite helmets uh, we actually have one in our uh Game room at home. I don't know why. We're not Michigan fans, but it's just a cool helmet. Uh, you know, they're the Wolverines, but, uh, you know, you, you see this helmet, and it screams Michigan. It's that it's that Navy helmet with the funky front yellow piece design on the Mustache front.
0: Mustache-looking thing. Yeah, front. I don't even
1: know what it is. Yeah. You got the stripe. You know, I I don't know what it is, but it's awesome.
0: Yeah, my high school, they switched. So my I graduated my senior year. The next year— they they made those were their helmets. It was burnt orange and white and it was the mustache with the three lines. And I asked the coach what it meant. And it supposedly means it's, it's supposed to represent the wing T. And I don't know if Michigan ever ran Interesting. a wing T. Interesting. I don't know if that's just what they adapted. But, you know, at in, in my school, it was for the wing T. They were honoring the original helmet. Whoever uh, originally ran the wing T had those helmets. I don't know if it was Michigan, but that's what I know about the mustache helmet. My number one is Notre Dame. I mean, talk about classic design. Don't have to change it. You have a plain gold helmet yep. and you know exactly who they are. Yep. Notre Dame is such a cool school, such cool tradition, such cool, you know, everything about them. Probably nostalgia wise, that's, I mean, it's probably the best in, in college football. And like, don't sleep on Notre Dame. They're alternates. They always have really cool designs. Their pinstripe from last year yep, when they played they at Yankee, Yankee, stadium, Yankee Stadium, pretty insane. awesome. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. So, I know, big Texas guy, and you like your tradition. If you could give Texas an alternate helmet or jersey, what are you gonna do? Cause I, I've seen a lot of blackout. I've seen black helmet, white logo. Not a fan, or are you a fan of that?
1: I like it. Uh but if if you gave me a choice, uh I would probably keep the same burnt orange jerseys, but wear burn orange pants. Let's go let's go burn orange color rush. Uh burn orange helmet, burn orange jersey, burn orange pants. I, I think that would look awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I love you know, th- there's always the argument that like traditional schools shouldn't have to like you know Texas, that's their colors, Cowboys, that's their colors. They don't need different jerseys. But it's all it's always cool to see a little alternate jersey. You know, talking about Texas Cowboys, why why don't they have alternate jerseys? And it's because of tradition. It's because the Cowboys are the Cowboys. They don't need to. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the most recognizable brands in the world for sports. So Notre Dame, Texas, a lot of good helmets. Our our next question is. One-year teams that had a great one, uh, great run, kind of like one-hit wonders for teams. I kind of struggled with this one. I didn't have a lot of teams, so Humphreys, why don't you start it off?
1: I kind of bounce. I think the original question uh, on Twitter was of this decade. I kind of bounced around just historically. Uh, I wanted to start with, and you know, I'm biased to them, but it's it, they're definitely considered one of the best teams of all time. Uh, you know, not only because of their talent, but what they were able to do and who they beat. But 2005 Texas Longhorns goes down in history as one of the most talented teams in college football history.
0: Yeah, with an average quarterback uh, and a, a decent get team. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, I, my first one was basketball. I went to 2010 Dallas Mavericks. Dirk Nowitzki beats the big three at Miami, stuns them. And after that, they kind of suck. So I, I I really went to the one hit wonder route. They had a great, you know, Dirk's always been a great player, but this team kind of came out of nowhere, beats LeBron, D Wade, and Bosh in a great series. So I went the Mavericks as my first choice. So here's a
1: here's a fun fact about that team. So uh, from then until now, there's only been one uh, NBA Finals champion team that did not have two All Stars; they only had one. That was the Dallas Mavericks with Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, so that, that says a lot about what that team was able to do, kind of a David and Goliath type setting. And so the run that that team was able to go on in, in route to win an NBA Finals championship is unbelievable.
0: It's really a shame that Dirk doesn't, you know, if, I feel like he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. He is one of the best big men of all time. You know, he's not Shaq and he's not to, uh, Tim Duncan, but he's still. Ooh, hot take, I'll take him
1: over Tim Duncan. Really? Yep. Yep, I've always thought that. Uh, I you know, Timmy has the the finals uh, resume for sure, but you know, I you can you can just as much say that that's a, a Greg Popovich thing. Uh, and so
0: for that, I'll take Dirk. Won't put him over Shaq, but I will put him over Tim Duncan. That is a hot take because I've seen a lot that you know, they have best player of the decade in the 2000s, it's always between Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant. A lot of people put Tim Duncan, so definitely a hot take. Uh, what's your first on your list? Uh so another one I want to talk about is uh
1: I, I, I want to talk about kind of a dynasty. Uh you know, you can you can break it up into one year, you can break it up into three, but the Dallas Cowboys from nineteen ninety two to nineteen ninety-five won three titles. I mean, that is that is unbelievable. I've seen a lot of people talk about how Uh, You know, they had The Last Dance, the the Jordan documentary about his six championships. If there were to be another team or another uh, franchise to do a documentary like that on, it would be that time span of the Dallas Cowboys. Just the Hall of Famers that they were, you know, put together, Troy Eggman, Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin, Larry Allen, Charles Haley, Deion Sanders. I mean, that's that's simply unbelievable. And, And just what they were able to do. Like I said, you can break it up into one year, you can break
0: it up into a dynasty. It's definitely one that that will go down in history. So you have you have all those players, you have all that success. Who was the best Dallas Cowboy player in those years? In those years, who? That's tough. Uh,
1: sure, my dad will get on to me. Uh, he, he's Mr. Cowboy, but you know, I think it starts. Um, I think it starts with your quarterback. And so Troy Eggman won three Super Bowl titles. So, I, you know, without him, I don't think we, you know, I say we, I don't think the Cowboys uh, amount to that success, but definitely other players played just as big of a role as him.
0: I think another player that really gets overlooked is Larry Allen. Yeah. One of the biggest offensive linemen of all time. The strongest offensive lineman of all time. Super fast. Yeah. And, you know, you talk to people and players that were back then, they say the offensive linemen were big, but you would look at the Dallas Cowboys offensive line and it was a whole nother breed. They were all massive individuals and all started with Larry Allen. And you don't have a you don't have a good quarterback without a good offensive line. And the great wall of Dallas started with that group and has continued the tradition of having a very good offensive line. Okay, so another another team I wanna talk about.
1: And, you know, this one, this one's hard to put on there, but the New England Patriots, uh, we're talking about, you know, obviously their dynasty the last 20 years, led by Tom Brady, is second to none. I mean, what the, the amount of championship games they've been able to go to is is the most. Uh, but I want to specifically touch on the undefeated regular season, New England Patriots. Uh, this falls under the one of the best teams of all time, but it also falls under one of the biggest chokes of all time. We had that earlier in the show. But you had a perfect record going into the Super Bowl and you play against uh, a team who got into the playoffs the last week of the regular season, New York Giants as a wild card. New York Giants rally, make it to the Super Bowl to take on uh, David and Goliath, if you will. Um, and the Patriots fall up short. They A perfect season doesn't mean a thing without a ring. You know what I mean? And, and so to me, obviously one of the biggest or most impressive one-year span teams of all time, but also one of the biggest chokes of all time, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and talk about one-hit wonders. David Tyree. Yeah. Giants receiver, makes the helmet catch, never hears from him again.
1: So uh, here's another fun fact, of Dalton. So there is video proof of the walkthrough of the day before the Super Bowl of David Tyree. Uh, I think he dropped like five passes in practice, okay? An NFL receiver drops five passes Passes maybe more in practice and then makes arguably the most iconic catch in football history to lead the New York Giants to a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, it's crazy how one play can change a person's career. Look at Odell Beckham. Yeah. makes a one-handed catch. Goes from an average receiver to now people talking about him as like one of the best in the league right now. Absolutely. Talk about ain't no thing without a ring. 2011 Green Bay Packers. My goodness. We go, I think, I want to say 13-0. We lose the last game, fourteen and zero. We lose the last game because Roger sits because we're like, you know what, first seed, we're walking in, we gonna win the Super Bowl. Sit, we lose. We go into the playoffs and then we lose. I want to say the first round. Wow, absolutely embarrassing. We go from 2010 winning the Super Bowl, F- fifteen
1: and one regular season 15 record, fifteen and yeah.
0: one. Wow. Yeah. So what an embarrassment. We and I mean we dominated that everybody that year. And then we come out and lose. You got it.
1: So you you, first round by New York Giants upset y'all in the second
0: round. I mean, that's insane. 15 and one. We could have been up there with one of the greatest teams of all time. Chokey, choke, choke. But I mean, what a great year that was leading up to that going 15 and one. You don't see that a lot happen. Uh, Another team that I put, and I stay in the realm of a team that did really good but didn't really do anything else after that. 2017 Atlanta Falcons.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a uh, out of nowhere. Uh, you know, I know they come up short. That's why did we not yeah, talk about I'm, that? I'm One kind of the of biggest dis- chokes of all time. Kind
0: of, I didn't put that on my list because wow. I was sure that you were going to talk wow. about. Wow,
1: excuse us that. That's the biggest Super Bowl choke of all time, twenty eight to three. <laughs> I mean, literally, literally. March twenty eighth is a holiday in New England Patriots land because of the colossal choke
0: by the Atlanta Falcons. I'm I'm embarrassed. I, I'm kind of let embarrassed. down. Embarrassed. I, I gave. I was like, you know what? He's got it. That's on me. Let's it go. That's but on yeah. Me. Great choke. And then after that, you know, the Falcons have always been eh, okay. But they have a really good run and then they're back to being nothing. But this year, maybe Todd Gurley, you know, Matt Ryan is still kicking. Maybe they have another year. Still kicking. <laughs> I don't know if they're gonna have a Super Bowl bound year, but Falcons, one and done. Look at those guys. Talk about another it don't mean a thing
1: if you don't win a ring. Uh, the seventy-two and seventy-two and nine. Uh seventy-three and nine Golden State Warriors, greatest NBA regular season of all time. Uh, your boy LeBron said, "No, sorry, I'm gonna go ahead and just, you know, solidify myself as the greatest basketball player of all time." Hot comes, comes back from a three-one deficit to beat Golden State and the greatest regular season team of all time, but that's a choke. Yeah, we've we've three... just
0: named three chokes that we did not mention.
1: Well, I, you know, I, I'm embarrassed,
0: but <laughs> uh, you guys should know about those because they're they're ingrained in our brain. Uh, another team, and we were talking about this earlier. I don't know the year specifically, but TCU was it two thousand fourteen? I want to say whatever the first year of the college football playoffs was. Now they they make an argument for they should have made the final four. They absolutely should have made the final four. What a great and like like we always say, TCU was an okay team, but like this year, this run was unbelievable. They were beating teams they shouldn't have beaten. And then they they fall up short, right? They lose the last game, which kind of forces them out of the picture. Is so they they
1: lose the uh, they lose to Baylor, and then they win their last week of the season, and they finish finish fifth, I think, in the rankings, one spot out of the college football playoffs, and then they go on to absolutely freaking curb stomp Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl.
0: Yeah, what it's definitely a shame. Definitely brings the argument for expanding the the playoffs. But what a good run by TCU. Do you have any more on your list for one-year teams? I think you got you gotta mention 2019 LSU. I mean, what they
1: were able to do offensively, Joe Burrow, I mean, one of the best seasons in college football history. Uh, won the Heisman with a landslide. LSU pretty much the you know dominated the national championship, beat a really talented Clemson team led by Trevor Lawrence and Davo Sweeney, and you know, Definitely in the conversation for one of the greatest one-year runs from a team all, of all time.
0: Yeah, and they lose literally their whole team. It'll be definitely interesting to see how they bounce back You know, if we get a season. They have an all-conference season at the SEC. It'll be fun to see Coach O and their new team. So our next topic is going to be rivalries nobody really talks about. Okay. Now, there's, a, there's there could be a lot. There's, there's, I have a few. Humphries has a few. Why don't you start off with your first one?
1: So I, I'm going to start off with, uh, and don't get me wrong, this is a big one. I just think it should be bigger. Uh, I love it. I watch it every year. Uh, I think the uh, j- just the pride behind it, it really, really means a lot. And historically for college football, I think it's a big deal. But Army-Navy is, is one of the great traditions in college football, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think you hear about it enough, but... Just think about America's finest balling it out the last week of the season for, for ultimate United States bragging rights. I mean, that is, that, that's you know, 22 of the smartest people in America, young minds in America, on the field at the same time, battling it out in a great football game, a historical football game. You know, Two teams that in the early college football days definitely won a lot of national titles. Real, real blue-blood, blue-collar uh, uh, teams you know, back in the day, and I think they're overlooked now. But this is this is a special robbery, f- in, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and they, and they always end up being pretty good games. You know, these last couple years, Navy has ended up being, you know, ranked 24-25 in the top 25. And I don't know if it was this last year or two years ago, but Army hasn't won in a long time. And they end up coming back and winning the game for the first time. So it means a lot to the people in the military. It's a really fun game to watch. We talked about their jerseys. They have a great concept every year. It's really cool to watch that. So definitely Army-Navy. My first one, now I don't know if this is considered an official rivalry yet, because you know there's no name to it, there's no trophy, but Texas versus LSU. Now, this a little hot take. A little Battle of the South, actually. But these last couple years, they've had some banger games. You yeah. Know, there was the whole DBU argument. Uh, this last year, they go what sixty six? They both score over sixty. No, not this year, but it was a high-scoring game for sure. Yeah, so it's all it seems to always be a good game, a lot of pride, you know, Texas being the big dog in Texas, LSU being the big dog in Louisiana, right next to each other. It always seems to be a great game. So I put that as a as a rivalry no one talks about, maybe because it's not an official, but it it could be for Texas players and LSU players. And also, they're both getting recruited by the same people, you know. Absolutely. Normally they're in the same area. Texas wants them, LSU wants them, so it's a definitely a big game for those guys, and they're always a good game to watch. So the next one I want to talk about, I want to shift to to FCS
1: football. Uh, this, obviously, if you're anything to do with St. Houston State, you know how big of a deal this is. Uh, me and Dalton play for St. Houston State, and so obviously we understand the uh, just the magnitude of this rivalry game, but... The Battle of the Piney Woods, uh, Stephen F. Austin versus Sam Houston State. Uh, last year, we played our 94th game against them. Uh, Sam Houston is on a nine-game win streak. Uh, obviously, Sam Houston has dominated, but it just uh, if you don't know about it, uh, we played in NRG Stadium. I, I had the privilege to play in my first one last year. It- it's-, it's truly it- its breathtaking. Uh, the tailgating when we drive up. On the bus, it's just unbelievable. You're, you're greeted with your family and friends, cheerleaders, band, all that. You get to walk through the parking lot through through your own team's tailgating, and that's a super surreal moment. Uh, but one of the coolest parts for me uh, is when you run out of the tunnel and alumni, former players, are, are lining the tunnel. And just their their passion for the game, for Sam Houston State, for Battle of the Pawnee Woods, it, you can really see it uh and so that meant a lot to me I definitely take a lot of pride in it hopefully we can we can get that game in this year whether it's the fall or the spring and it's really a big deal Dalton you can I know you can touch on that because you played in it as well
0: yeah so for people that don't know uh Stephen F. Austin and Sam Houston State University are basically the same school you know they're both a small school they're both in small towns Nacogdoches and Huntsville. So they're pretty much the same school they've they've been playing for a while and boy do we not like each other uh you know it's really fun to play at MRG but you know I've heard stories of playing home and home series so they and, used to do that yeah uh, and my, they
1: were wild a lot of my coaches from high school played at SFA uh, so they give me give me hell on it all the time uh, that I, you know I play for Sam Houston State that's that's how bitter of a rivalry it is but I've definitely seen clips of us playing home and home and you know. Uh, the NRG thing's cool, but I wouldn't be opposed to, to playing home-and-home. Home. I think that atmosphere would, would be unmatched.
0: Yeah, but it, it is also really fun to play NRG. A lot of us, you know, we're not going to the NFL. This will probably be a, you know, a lot of us didn't play in state championships. So you don't get to do this very often. So it is really fun, and there is a lot of bitterness. You know, you come to Sam Houston, and you hear the Purple School. You don't hear SFA. I assume in SFA they say the Orange School or the Jailbirds <laughs> because we have prisons in uh, Sam Houston. This is a big rivalry. Uh you know, it was really cool for me. Actually, SFA was the first game I ever played in. Uh, I was on special teams, and they kind of just threw me in there. And, you know, my first snap being on, at NRG Stadium with a pretty good crowd. It was really nerve-wracking, but it was a really cool experience. Being able to walk down the tunnel and, you know, pregame, get to walk around the stadium. It was really cool, really fun, something I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, recently they've been blowouts because Sam Houston's very talented. But last game was a close one, and it should be a close one. For the years to come So it's going to be A really fun game It's going to be Really interesting And a rivalry That should pick up Even if we have a You know Your whole argument With the spring season You know Maybe this uh, Battle of Pine woods Get a lot more attention Than it has before
1: Well you know That's the thing it, You know Like we were talking about If Power 5 Goes to the fall all of a sudden, same Houston SFA has the potential to be college game day. I mean, I know that's a stretch, but realistically, I mean, that's you know that that's something that could happen.
0: Yeah, and you you did say it's a really cool environment. The tailgating is so much fun. Uh, I gotta I mean, go. It's seventy or seventy five thousand people deep. I don't. I mean,
1: I, yeah. It's hard to hard to grasp that at the FCS level, and then I think for the game, what 30,
0: 35,000 people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, being able to redshirt my freshman year and get to go as a fan was really fun. Getting to play with it is fun. And then when we're alumni, <clears throat> staying on the field, letting the young guys run out, it'll be a fun experience. Uh, for my next rivalry, and Humphrey's not going to like this one, Cowboys versus Packers. Not an official rivalry because Packers are rivals with pretty much everyone, Bears, Lions, 49ers. But, man, this rivalry has picked up since the Cowboys cannot beat us. Every time they play <laughs> it us, they seems lose. like that for sure. Yeah, and, you know, Cowboys fans don't like Packers fans because – Cowboys fans are always, they're a successful team, we're a successful team. You got two big dogs butting heads with each other. It never ends up working out. But, uh, you know, we think of the Cowboys as little children. You know, they're our little boys. We just kind of pat them on the head say, you know, keep playing. So, you know, we're going to see them in the playoffs, hopefully, if the Cowboys can make it. And uh, it should be a fun game, but, you know, you look at the past couple of years, every time they play us, they lose, and that's just straight facts. It's, it's hard to argue that, uh, but I, what I will agree with you on is that it is an unofficial rivalry.
1: Uh, you know, two of the most heartbreaking losses in my Cowboy career, uh, one of which I was at, came at the hands of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, with, two, with two diehard fan bases like that, with, with the Cowboys and the Packers, you're, you're going to have a, a rivalry sense to every game you play, just because of, you know, the history behind both teams. And so I think going forward, you're going to continue to see that.
0: Yeah, you know, when I think of Packers-Cowboys, I think of Dez dropping it. I think of George, Jared Cook's catch on the sideline. I think of Mason Crosby's game winner. And most recently, Aaron Jones. Give him the little, the little wave while he's running to the end zone after we uh-huh. destroyed y'all in uh-huh. the running game. I mean, what a, what a great game for the boys the Packers not, not the boys yeah my boys so Packers Cowboys always a great game always a good rivalry that was my second option alright for our last part we're gonna do this was my mother that suggested this shout out Mama Meyer the best coaches quotes a lot of great coaches of all time a lot of good co- quotes hit me with your very first quote so the first one I want to give a shout out to Tom Landry uh,
1: the greatest Whoa. Dallas Cowboys coach of all time uh I was named after Tom Landry. It's my middle name, uh, and and this is a great quote by him. Leadership is a matter of having people look at you and gain confidence. If you're in control, they're in control. And to me, I, that means a lot. You know, I look at myself as a leadership figure. Uh, I hope I hope people look at me that way. But I feel like uh, you know, strong teammate. If you have that that quality, that that people feel confident in you, that people will feel confident in themselves.
0: Yeah, and a lot of quotes about leaders are very important. You know, Tom Landry, greatest Cowboys coach; Vince Lombardi, greatest Packer coach. My first quote is from Vince Lombardi himself, and the quote is: "Leaders are leaders aren't made; they are or leaders are made; they are not born; they are made by hard effort, which is the price which all of us must pay to achieve any goal that is worthwhile." I mean, that just says a lot. Being a leader, you know, you can't just be born a good leader; you have to earn it, and having effort, which at the end of the day, will get you to what you need to be. And I mean Vince Labardi, he has a trophy named after him for a reason. So that's my first quote. So my next one uh, that I want to talk about, and uh, shout
1: out to my sister, uh, Miss Miss TCU Horn Frog herself, and shout out to uh, Miss Jill Whitney for reminding me that I love this quote. But uh, Dutch Meyer, uh, who's a you know throwback TCU coach, uh, once said. We'll fight them until hell freezes over, and then we'll fight them on the ice. And that, if that doesn't get your hair standing up, I don't know what will. And it speaks for himself, basically says, we don't care the circumstances. We're ready to go.
0: Uh, my next quote, Bum Phillips, Wade Phillips, old man, old dude that always wore cowboy hat, yep. one of the best coaches yep. of all time. And, uh, you know, this quote means a lot to me, and it means a lot to our team. We had issues with this last season. But the quote is, you fail all the time, but you aren't a failure until you start blaming someone else. You know, a lot of people have issues when when they feel like something's going wrong, they start pointing fingers, and, you know, everyone's going to fail, but you're not going to be a failure, until you start blaming other people. That's a big issue in the world, and, you know, sports and real life. So I thought it was a really good quote by a really good coach in Bum Phillips. Uh, I really like that one. And uh, the last one
1: I want to talk about, and this is a... uh a real, real throwback one, but uh, always remember, Goliath was a forty-point favorite over David, and that's awesome. I love, <laughs> I love uh, making the uh, the biblical story into a sports reference. Uh, basically, just says that uh, it doesn't matter. You know, that's why they play the game. And so, to me, that that speaks a lot of speaks a lot, and uh, for any team, you know, any
0: situation in life. Even though you're an underdog, that's why they play the game. Uh, My final quote is from Coach K, Duke, one of the best college basketball coaches of all time. The quote is, you can see and you can listen, but you have to have a moment in which you feel. I mean, that's important, especially to athletes. Like, you know, you can watch some film all you want. You can practice it all you want. When it comes to the game, you need to have a time where you just feel it and you just go. I really like the quote. Coach K, very successful, obviously, so I thought that was really cool. That's it,
1: Dalton. I think I think uh, you know, honestly, I'd be lying if I said uh, I knew what we were gonna talk about next week. We'll see how this next week plays out as far as, you know, the football world goes. You know, maybe we get college football this fall. I don't know, but uh I think we will get NFL. Um we will eventually have college football, like me and you have said in the past, but who knows what it'll be.
0: Yeah, uh we appreciate everybody that sent us questions on Twitter. They're all really good questions. Uh Yeah, until the NFL season starts or any football starts, we're just going to kind of go week by week, figure out what we're going to talk about, and we're just going to have fun, talk it up, and have a good time. So uh, we appreciate you listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.